and just worship. We may do that, and not today, but. Uh, <laughs> I gotta get behind the cross. But if you're visiting with us today, I've completely lost my track. I'm feeding, brother. I can't focus to a point where I have to Yeah, whatever. I basically don't. We're glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, and you've never filled out one of those visitor's card, communicator cards in the bulletin, you can open it up. I know it's technical. There's three pages, but you open it up and look at the bottom. It says communication card. Communicate with us. Put your name, your address email, uh, what you want for Christmas, and uh, all that other good stuff. But please communicate with us and let us uh, be able to communicate with you. Let you know, number one, from right here, right now, we're glad you're here. But then there's great opportunities for you to be, become part of this faith family at Eastside. Through small groups, both on Sunday morning and Sunday night right now, through our time of prayer and uh, other avenues of ministry on Wednesday night, other things that go on year-round, mission trips, to uh, just all kinds of things. And so, just uh, if you would fill that out and uh, drop it in the offering plate as it comes by in just a moment. Speaking of missions, what a joy it is to have our world traveler, Miss Sherry, back with us. still not convinced that you ought to be joyous and happy in the Lord today, I'm not joking now. You need to make sure you cross paths, just shake her hand this morning, and just the light of Christ that was exuding from her this morning just cheered my heart. I mean, you could see her countenance from down the hall. That happens for any of us when we are willing to place ourselves in the center of God's will and do what He wants. All I can ask of you today is all God's asking. Just do what He wants you to do. And you'll leave here being thankful you did. Brother Matt? I'll do this out the rest of the way.
Savior, lead 
go now. Amen? Turn with me to Genesis 12. Genesis chapter 12. One of the things that we all have a pet peeves, I'm sure. Pam Todd may not, if she's too sweet. <laughs> Most of us have our pet peeves. Uh, one of mine, and of course, I, I am others' pet peeves. And I get that. <laughs> And I know that I do not pronounce things the way they should a lot of times. Uh, and I do not follow the proper vernacular and putting them together and stringing out a sentence. But one thing that drives me crazy is typos, simple typos. And there's one especially that gets you. And it, it happens almost weekly drives me crazy and I was talking to my buddy Mark this morning and he and I have had this conversation on literally dozens of occasions and it's, it's tough to complain because what it is someone will post or say something about a great day in their church and they will say the altar was filled, or many came to the altar, and they spell it A-L-T-E-R. Now, the unique and ironic thing is, people who come to the altar, many times are altered. And they should be altered in the altar. So this morning, I want to use that as a play on words but yet being serious and preach on this subject and A-L-T-A-R-E-D an altered life an altered life now I know we can pray right where we're sitting we can pray in our vehicle men that are in our small group on Sunday night we have talked about when we pray without ceasing and it becomes a lifestyle of communication and being open before the Lord. It can happen anywhere at any time. And it does not have to be on our knees. It does not have to be with our eyes closed. I'll understand that. But an altar is not just about the prayer in our mindset of asking and offering, but the word altar literally means a place of sacrifice place of sacrifice throughout the life of Abram and then Abraham, the same man changed life throughout Abraham's life, he lived an altered life everywhere that God would do a great work in his life he would build an altar great things that God would do and move in his life and I wonder are there benchmarks and road marks that we have built an altar before the Lord 
and thanked Him for His miraculous grace and how God has moved and how God has secured and how God has blessed and rescued, how God has comforted and brought joy to our life. Have we built an altar before the Lord? Now, Abraham or Abram would literally take rocks and as you see the picture, stack them up and build it. That's okay. We can do that. But it doesn't take the physical rocks, but the spiritual rock of our salvation and the Lord Jesus Christ being the prominent place in our life that we can become altered in everything we do. So I want us to begin looking in Genesis chapter 12. An altered life, living at the feet of the Lord. Living at the feet of the Lord. You remember the disciples got all worried when Jesus said, I'm going to leave you. You can't go where I'm going. What they didn't understand, what was the next thing Jesus told them? He said, I will not leave you comfortable. The very presence of God and the person of the Holy Spirit will come and dwell among you and dwell in you. And see, there's no place, child of God, hear me today, there's no place outside of God's purview. There's no place outside His security and His power. Remember, God created the hiding place. And when it looks like God may have been fooled. God was still on His throne. God is still in control. And Abram had to learn that before he could become Abraham, a father. Not just a nation, but of the world in many ways. In Genesis 12, it's known as the Abrahamic covenant. As God spoke, He said, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of your country and from your kindred, from your family, from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse them that curse thee. Someone asked me, not too long ago to cover this on Wednesday night, but let me cover it real quick on about two minutes on Sunday morning. Does it benefit the United States of America to stand with Israel? What did I just read? I will bless, I will bless them that bless thee. This is the beginning of Israel. Right here, Genesis 12. The Hebrew children is being birthed in Father Abraham right here. And I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham or Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. When he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son. All their substance that they had gathered and their souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. 
and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land into the place of Sycamore, into the place of plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto your seed will I give this land. And there built he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Father in heaven, I pray today that we in our hearts right now would be open to see you, to experience you, and that today we would become altered in our praise and worship. Not just for what you do, but especially for who you are. Lord, may we leave here different than the way we can. In Jesus' name, amen. Are we living an altered life? Abram, now set the stage. Think. Many of us, 75 years old, we won't even come back to church on Sunday night. Abram was 75 years old and God told him, said, Abram, I want you to leave your inheritance, the land of your inheritance. I want you to leave everybody you've ever known. Not going to be able to go to any more class reunions. I want you to leave the land that you were used to. Knew, knew where every little nook and cranny was, where every creek and every brook, and knew where every rock in the creek was. He said, I want you to leave all of that. Take what you've got and follow me. Sounds a lot like Jesus talking to Andrew, doesn't it? When he said, leave your nets, leave your life, leave your family, leave it all, take up your cross, and follow me. You see, part of living an altered life starts with denial, self-denial. You know why it's so hard to get up and leave a comfortable chair or standing in a crowd, come to an altar? It's because we have to deny self. We have to deny what we care about which is what people may think, what people may say, and all this, which is usually a lie from Satan anyway. And we've got to be willing to take the step to go and be and do what God wants us to do. I'm afraid it's the path least traveled. But you see, Abram, if he doesn't get back past this point, we don't have Abraham. And without Abraham, we do not have Isaac. Without Isaac, we do not have Jacob. And without Jacob, we do not have tribes of Israel. And without the tribes of Israel, we do not have David. And without David, Jesse and David and Solomon and on down, we don't have a man by the name of Jesus. But Abraham was found faithful. And he began as God was calling him out. And as he left in his faithfulness, now notice he didn't build an altar where God first called him. He built an altar when God came to him in his faithfulness. We can't just build an altar here and say we're going to go do it there. We've got to build the altar as we go. And so as he began to travel and go and be what God wanted him to be, God come and spoke to him again and reminded him, don't fret, 
my son. You're doing what I've said do. I am going to bless you. And in the midst of that, we see an altar of conversion. An altar of conversion. I've heard many believers say that while standing in a pew or in a chair, by, by a chair, as the Holy Spirit dealt with their life and called them to an altar of repentance, the simple act of stepping out in faith, believing in their heart, and having confessed in their own spirit, they believed that they truly had become born again before they ever made it to the church altar. The altar before God happened somewhere in that call. You see, sometimes in our life, it's about the action of faith. He said, by faith are we saved. Or by grace are we saved through faith. It takes that, that vessel of faith of believing that He is and that He is a rewarder to them that diligently seek Him. If we keep standing on the promises and sitting on the premises instead of going in His promise and going in His power, we're not going to see God do anything different. Thank you for all the pastors in Houston just rolled over and started sending their sermons and their emails in to the mayor. Now if you don't know what I'm talking about, we've been warning of this for decades. And it's here, folks. You see me walk up here Sunday after Sunday with this book. And I write my sermons and I print them out. Sometimes they're more organized and sometimes they're just little sketches and sometimes just not a whole lot of nothing. But they're the message God has prepared on my heart. The mayor of Houston, Texas, in the Bible Belt, what we used to call the Bible Belt, I'm afraid our drawers are falling down about like the world's. The belts come off because the mayor of Houston, Texas subpoenaed the pastors of Houston's messages. They got judges and they got people that are scared and they're using bully tactics and they have subpoenaed the sermons of many of the pastors in Houston, Texas said, you will send us your sermons. And not only will you send us your sermons, you're going to send us your emails and all of your communication between you as the pastor and your church members. This is not a fairy tale. It's really happening right now in Houston, Texas, USA. Thank God there's still some altered life Christians. It's not just Southern Baptists. It's non-denoms. It's other, other denominations that she's targeting. And they said one pastor, I, I don't know him, but I like him. He said, I'll be glad for you to have my sermon. All you got to do is show up here every Sunday. <laughs> Amen. Amen. One said, how are you going to get it? Now, he probably come from the streaky-headed variety. But any pastor worth their salt has had somewhere in their life where God said, trash your notes, just say what I'm about to tell you. 
You know, when the Holy Spirit kind of moves on your life. Let us not be so prepared that we miss the Holy Spirit. Yeah, look, I, I would gladly sit here just to see her face trying to decipher what I wrote. <laughs> but you see, in our lives, when God calls, there's got to be this altar of conversion, a commitment to Christ. We can't just say, I'm a Christian because I signed the card and got dumped after Bible school. Church, that is not salvation. That is not being born again. That is not being saved. Being born again is being converted from lostness unto delivery, from death unto life. There will be a change when the almighty, eternal, everlasting God enters the dead corpse that is us. There will be a change. Not because we changed. It's not because you got up and changed your will and changed your mind because you turned over a new leaf. It's because of who is in you. If Jesus Christ is really, really in you, He will come out. He will be seen. He will not be kept out. It goes back to the Ten Commandments. I'm a jealous God. I will not have any before me. This whole idea of skimping and popping gum down the primrose path unto eternity, I'm afraid that way too many people have tried to make it way too easy. And I'm telling you, it's easy on our side that we don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops, but it sure wasn't easy for the Son of God. And if we can just be good, sign a card, get baptized, change your mind, change a residence, change your letter, and go to heaven, then why on earth did Jesus have to die? Jesus Christ died to set us free from the whole idea of works. Because look, the law was given to prove we cannot keep the law. We are not good. None of us. Some of us look better than others. But we sure aren't better than anyone else. For the ground's level at the foot of the cross, look, before Abram could become Abraham, there had to be an altar of conversion where he really believed God was who he said he was. Do you really, really, really believe God is who you say He is? Do you say the same thing about God in the face of adversity at school or at work or in front of your friends as you do here on Sunday morning? Do you see how great thou art on Sunday morning here in worship? But are you living how great you are in every area of your life? That's the altar of commitment in our lives. Look in verses 1 through 3. The Lord said unto Abraham, when's the last time you even heard God speak? He said, get out of the country. Get out from your kingdom, from your father's house to a land I will show you. <coughs> Sharing this second trip was a little less spooky than the first one was. He knew where he was going. Familiar with the air, air you know, Air, airports and things like that. 
That first time was a little spooky. First time you go out of the country, you go to a place that you don't know anything about, especially when you hear the horror stories. You start hearing about insects and bugs and amoebas and enzymes and food. Look, when I went to Europe, I try to always do my homework when I go on a mission trip. I try to prepare because one thing they tell you when you go on a mission trip is do not be rude to your hosts. Do not be rude to your hosts. First time I ever went to Jamaica, and I'm staying with a 70-something-year-old Jamaican lady in her home. She fixed lunch for me the first day I was there. She pulled back the paper towel on the plate, and there was about four fish. And they were all looking at me. And I had to just kind of, you know, get my mind right. When I went to Europe, and I studied the area we were going, they said the staple, staple thing that they eat the most is borscht. You've heard that in Russian movies and everything else. You know what borscht is? Borscht is beet soup. You like it? Gina. I need to have something that's not. Well, I, I don't try to be crooked. It looks like blood soup. Because the beets in it is just boiled up. And I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I psyched myself up. I don't know what day it's coming, but they're going to put a big bowl of that stuff in front of me. What am I going to do? I've never eaten a beet in my life. When I walk by them, I'm like, oh my Lord. You know, if that was the last thing on earth, it would still take me about three days before I could get to it. <laughs> never ate one. The day came. And I sat down. And it was served in a big old bowl about the size of my popcorn bowl at home. You know, and then little soup bowls around. I look, and you know, I'm a visual person. If it don't look good, it's hard to get past the way it looks, you know. The smell wasn't, wasn't nothing to that, but the way it looked. So they started dipping it out. And I was looking, and they served bread with every meal, thank the Lord. I said, well, it looks like I'm going to have bread and butter and hot tea for lunch today. And I put some in, and it's amazing. Look, I have been able to cut and dissect the stuff on my plate in such a way. I, look, I'm a professional, and making food disappear right before your eye. I'm an illusionist. I can, I can do it and mingle it around and hide it on the plate where the host says, Oh, you like it? You want some more? <laughs> so they put it, but you can't make soup this period of bowl without it just disappearing. So I said, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I took me, and I, you know, if you hold your nose, you take it cough, that's a lot better. So I just, I didn't want to hold my nose in front, so I just tell them the bread. But a little bit of taste snuck past my, my smeller, you know. It's good. I took another big old you know, potatoes in there hiding his beets because it died with the color of the soup. I said, well, I love potato soup. This tastes like good, hot chicken broth potato soup. 
And before long, I done went back too long and ate about the whole thing. I was sopping up the bread, you know. I'm like, man, y'all got some more, more stuff? It's amazing how God changed my heart, changed my mind. Look, it's hard to take that first step. It's hard to get on a plane and go to a land that you've never seen. It's hard to eat something to try. So you want to offend someone. It's hard to stand in the face of people at school that has a foul mouth and acts like the world, sounds like the world, lives in the world. But listen to me. Abram said it's worth it because God's called me to it. I thought, well, if I die for this divorce, God just will count me faithful for serving, you know. People say, I can't get on a plane and go overseas. Sherry, I know your heart, so I believe I can speak for you. He said, well, I can die here as soon as I can die over there. And wherever I'm going to die, I'm going to die in his wheel. I can die getting in a car and driving home as easy as I can get on a plane and fly to Uganda or fly to Ukraine or to do whatever, whatever God wants me to do. Abraham, or Abram, took the steps of faith. Look in verse 4. He departed. When God told him to do this, he departed. He took those steps of faith in his altar. His altar was in reflection. That's what's so cool about the altar. It's not about coming and just saying, okay, Lord, I'm building an altar before you so that I can go and do it. No, it's an altar of saying, God, I'm trying to move forward with you in the process. The altar wasn't built at the start. It was built on the journey. There ought to be places, road marks, that we go back through our life and we see altars built before the Lord. Right? If I ask some of you, could you name some altars in your life? You can name them. You say, well, when my child was born. Or a time when God called me into ministry. The first time I ever sang a solo in church. Or first time I taught a Sunday school class and I was uncomfortable in standing before someone or this time or that time when God allowed me to lead someone to Christ. Whatever it is, there's places that we've had altars of commitment. Abram it did so 75 years old. Listen to me, senior adults, young at heart. Stop thinking that you're too old to matter. Stop thinking it's time for somebody else to do it. Abram was just beginning at 75 years old. I told y'all this not too long ago, but I'm 50 now, so I can repeat myself. I love this story, though. Oldest known living American, I think she lives somewhere around Texas, somewhere close to like where they invented Dr. Pepper. That's heaven for most of our teenagers. But look, it's a good thing. She's 109 years old. They said, what's the secret to your longevity? She said, honestly? They said, yeah. She said, live right and drink lots of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> That's what she said. My kids are going to be 238 years old. I guess it tickles you or something. I don't know. 
Abram was 75 years old. When I was in seminary, there was a 70-something-year-old man getting his master's degree at the same time I was. 75 years old. You're not too old. Never too old. Serve God. Be a witness. Just share what Jesus has done in your life. Be found faithful. Listen to me. I've said it before, and I, I don't know how else to say it. These young couples that we we want young couples in our church, right? But don't say it if you don't mean it. Senior adults, if we don't have young couples in our church, we will cease to exist in the next 20 years. Do y'all agree with that? Okay. Y'all remember that? God heard. Well, guess what? With young couples comes children. I know what you say. I done raised mine. That's what you're saying. I ain't. I'm not done yet. I haven't. I'm still working on those. Church is not a place for you to be entertained. Church is a place for you to be altered in service before God. Miss Michelle, your pastor, shouldn't have to stand here and beg people to serve and nurse and help the children. But I am right now. Because we have many vacancies. And those that are Abram-aged, guess what? You have been around more. You know more. And listen, men, it's not just the women's job. You had a part in it. And we don't just tell these teenage boys that. That goes for you grown men. It wouldn't hurt some of you to serve one Sunday in the nursery. Ever six to eight weeks. And guess what? You serve, 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 then it doesn't become every six to eight weeks. It comes every three months. We bear the burden together. It says in Nehemiah they all had things working together. It can't be just six that do everything. They put together the showers, they keep the nursery, they sing the choir, they do Bible school, they do everything else. And us men stand around like we're at the gate in the Old Testament. Talking about how virtuous our wife is. And we're proud if we pick it up a stick out of the driveway. You see that? I picked that up. Somebody else didn't have to pick that up. Listen, church, there's a big piece of paper on my desk that says, please, beg people to help us. That ought not be so. We're not altered. Y'all enjoy these, these kids this morning? Amen. Well, guess what? Those over in the nursery is going to be right there in three or four more years. That's right. 
But if mom and daddy can't know, because look, I don't see any use. If I had to stay in the nursery every third week with my child, I wouldn't see any sense in coming. Why do I need to come in an unfamiliar environment? I can stay at home and do that. It's uncomfortable. But it's true. That's why we don't retain sometimes. We've got to minister because you know what? These young mothers and daddies, you know where they need to be? Not in the nursery. They need to be sitting in here being taught and worshiping the Lord. This might be the only time they get adult talk during the whole week. They need to be here. I can't keep the nursery. I have kept the nursery before. And I threatened to do it. I told Michelle, I said, one Sunday they're going to come and the preacher ain't going to be here. I'm going to be over there keeping the nursery. When they said, where's the preacher? We didn't have anybody to keep the nursery. He's in the nursery. The truth is, if Abram said, I can't do it, I'm 75 years old, who's going to do it? I'm going to tell you, God had a plan for Abram. God's got a plan for you. You just need to be altered in it. It's not just an altar of conversion, but an altar of communion. He said in verse 8, And he removed from there to a mountain on the east of Bethel. He pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Now this is good right here. Stay with me for just a minute. It was an altar of communion. You see, he was willing to listen to his Lord. He communed with him. He removed and went to where God had said. And in that, it says, he called upon the name of the Lord. Calling upon the name of the Lord simply says, I am here, speak. Not, Lord, I am here, I need a new car. I'm here, I need more money to pay off my bills. I'm here, I need better health. I'm here, make my life easy. I'm here, bless me, bless me, bless me. You know it means, Lord, I'm here. Speak. As Samuel said, for thy servant hears. We need to be altered in our communion with God. Listen to the Lord. Listen. When's the last time you said, Father, this is, insert your name. What you got for me today? And then just be quiet. I'm afraid, though, a lot of times prayer can be like that, that business, social, like Christmas party where really you work together, but y'all not have a party together. And all that awkward quiet so somebody feels like they got to say something. You know what I'm talking about? Where you stand around and somebody, they always feel the responsibility because there's an awkward silence so they just talk incessantly. Well sometimes it seems awkward for us. It seems like there's nothing but silence so we've got to say something. Well dear Father in heaven and, and we come up with all these things and sometimes what we need to do is allow that awkward silence to become a very peaceful silence of just being quiet, being still, and know that He is God. Abram was going to face a lot of things in his life. And you know how he was able to face them? He learned to be quiet. He learned to be disciplined in opening his 
heart and ears and closing his mouth. We need to be altered in our communion by listening. Notice where he was at. This is a good part. You miss this kind of stuff if you don't do true Bible stuff. If you just do Bible reading, you'll miss this. Look at where he was at in verse 8. He was on the east side of Bethel. And he was right in the middle between Bethel and Ai. Bethel means house of God. Ai means a heap. He had house of God on one side and a big old heap on the other. It, he was literally in the trenches. It was life lived between mountain valley, between ups and downs. I want you to understand. Have you ever went out and looked at a headstone of someone who has already passed? They got two days, right? Right? Like my grandfather. First day, I don't remember the exact birthday, but it's 1907. I do remember that. And then the last day, 1990. Two days. Our lives are bookend by dates. Right? If they do a headstone for me, that first day, say October 11th, 1964. And then, one day, if the Lord has not returned in the rapture, the other bookend will be imprinted, whatever that day may be. But here's where Abram lived, and here's where we all live. We live in the dash. Right? We're born in a second, we die in a second. We Sometimes we let that one second of death overwhelm us about a loved one, but we forget about their dash. You see, you die in just a moment, but you live your life, however long it is. Live in the dash. Abram had to understand, live in the dash. Don't look at just the bookings. He was living between the house and look. It would be easy if we just... You know, live surrounded by, by godly people in godly situations all the time. But the truth is, if we're living for the Lord, we've got God, we've got the house of the Lord, but we're living beside the heat too, right in the trench. That's where the traffic flows. That's where we meet the world with the power of the gospel. Abram was living in the dash in his altar of communion. Look over to chapter 13. It was an altar of covenant. He said in verse 14, The Lord said unto Abram after, the, after that Lot was separated from the sea, Lot, he decided he wouldn't go on the way Abram was going, it cost him, didn't it? Cost him a lot. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west, for all the land that you see, to thee will I give it, and to your seed forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, 
then shall your seed be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. And Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, built there an altar unto the Lord. Hebron literally means a place of association or place of covenant. You see, we look at this altar of covenant. It's a covenant of, from our side, we will follow. Abram said, here, Hebron, I will follow the Lord. From our side, wherever He leads, I'll go. When He calls, I will listen. Where He directs, I will follow. When God says jump, I'll keep jumping until He tells me to stop. <coughs> I have entered in and I will follow. It's an altar of not just covenant from our side, but as we live an altered life, we understand that the covenant on His side, He said, I will never leave you or I'll never forsake you even to the end of the age. I don't know about you, but that does something for me. Y'all with me? Y'all still with me? I'm fixing to be done. God's never done. If you are born again today, if you have ever come to the point of realization of the lostness and helplessness without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin, and you repented of that sin and accepted the fullness of the Lord's love through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Born again. Then you must grasp with all believers today that there's never a time God will ever leave us. That's His covenant with His people. He said, you are bought with a price. You're not your own. We need to live an altered life like we belong to Him. If we truly are saved, we ought to act like we're saved. We ought to talk like we're saved. We ought to give evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's one, one, one thing to say it on Sunday. It's another thing to live it Monday through Saturday. Character is who you are. When nobody else is looking. Real godliness is lived. Does that mean we won't falter? No. We'll falter. We'll fail. But he said we have an advocate with the falter. Look with me in conclusion in chapter 22. This is powerful. If you're tired, look, take a nap when you get home. But you don't need to miss this point right here. If you're going to live an altered life, would y'all all agree with me? It's pretty blessed to be born again. Amen. It's blessed. It's a blessing to know that Jesus Christ loves us and gave his life for us. Would you amen that? Amen. All right. It's easy to look at the Christmas aspects of, of being born again and forget the Easter aspects. Do you get what I'm saying? Is it easy to 
think about the birth and the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh and the sheep and the camels and the cattle lowing and whatever that means. I thought they moved. But the cattle are lowing. I love your mama to sing that. No crying today. The star glowing and the shepherds coming and all the world seeing and understanding something just happened. And then seeing the Son of the living God pierced, bruised, plucked, thorn, bleeding, sweating, nearly naked in the fullness of fleshly suffering, dying for us. And let me ask you this question. Jesus calls us unto faithfulness. Does He say, take up your manger and follow me? What does He say, take up? That's convicting. And here's what He says, deny self. Take up your cross. It's a symbol of death, isn't it? A symbol of being cursed. It's what the cross always represented. And so we need to understand today, when we, when we follow Him, when we live an altered life of consecration, we are dedicating ourselves to the sacred uses in life and in death. Not just physical death, but the dying to ourself every day. Paul says, I die daily. What, is he, what did he say to the church of Galatia? I am crucified with, nevertheless, I. But it's not me that now lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. Y'all get that, right? We've got to stop living the Christmas Christianity and start living the Easter Christianity. In an altered life of consecration because you see, it's a commitment to His will in chapter 22, verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told him of. Now Abraham built an altar there. You know which altar this was? He wasn't offering lambs. He wasn't there to thank God for bringing him out of this land and other things. He was there for a very specific purpose. He said, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Church, you're going to live an altered life. Whatever you love the most, God wants. He wants it now. Because what you love the most is what will interfere the most with His Lordship of your life. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come and pray. Some of you literally need to do as Abraham, Abraham did, bring your children and lay them on the altar before the Lord. I know this is not baby dedication, but look, you've got a teenager. You need to come lay them on the altar. Who knows better, God or you? All right, come bring them to the altar. You got a spouse. 
You love. Y'all come and pray together. Pray with Satan. Look, you said, my marriage is great. Wonderful. Now's the time to bring them to the altar. You got a Sunday school class. Bring them to the altar. You got a co-worker. You got a brother and a sister, a nephew and an aunt, a mother and a dad, and a brother and a nephew, and all these relationships. Bring them to God. A life altered in consecration, a commitment to his will, and an altar of confidence. I want you to turn with me. Very quickly, to Hebrews chapter 11. I need to read this. Because, look, I can beg and plead for you to come to this altar. But I want you to hear the results of what happens when you live an altar life before the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham... When he was tried, he offered up his son Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall I see you called. And he did this accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in the field. Don't ask you. Are you still holding something back? And it's holding you back from the power of God in your life. It made no sense to take the son God promised and take him up on that mountain and lay him on that altar to take his life. But Abraham so believed God and he believed that this was what God wanted God to raise him back from the dead. Are you so convinced that God can do whatever He wants to do that you're willing to come to the altar today? Lost person, hear me today. You need to stop depending on self. Stop depending on a lie you keep telling yourself in your mind that you're okay. Everything's alright. You can make your own choice. Look, you don't get to choose. You'll come or you'll not come, but you'll do it when God calls you. Because you can say, well, I'll do it later on. Listen, if the Holy Spirit's not drawing you, it won't do you any good to try. Today the Holy Spirit's drawing you. You need to repent of your sin. Give your life to Christ. Come and be altered in conversion. Child of God, it's time for you to give it all back to Him. Right here in your journey, Come lay an altar before the Lord in commitment, in covenant, in consecration. The hymn this road you have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed that you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed till all in the altar is loving. As they come right now, are you willing to come? Are you willing to come and march up that mountain of Moriah in your own life? And build, look, not only did Abraham have to lay his son on, he had to build the altar. He had to take the wood up there with his son. And today, 
God's calling you in a show of faith to come build an altar. Are you willing to live an altar life before Him? Whatever it is, you need to do business with God. Whether it's baptism and let the world know. That's what the altar did. It announced to the world. Abraham said, I have met with God. You need to announce to the world, I've been born again by letting them see the believer's baptism. You need to come and join this church in faithfulness to Him. You need to come and acknowledge His call on your life, whatever it is. Only you and Him know. Will you stand and come? Not to this altar, but the altar you prepare before the Lord. Right now, come. Come today. All the way my Savior leads me. It didn't make good sense to Abraham. Who am I to ask me? It didn't make good sense to Abraham. It's the right thing come. Yeah. So 
offer a fellowship between us and the Father. God moved this morning. As I see individuals, families, couples, God's stirring our hearts. Just remember, out of those altars, God raised a nation. Imagine what God can do in the altars of our lives and our families. What He can do. Eastside, Claxton, Evans County, South Georgia, the world. Do you realize that your what you saw insignificant, it may not have seemed like a whole lot. Some it was. If you've not seen the pictures, we're going, we'll have a time. But when you see young mothers learning how to sew, provide for their families, you're reaching the world, Eastside. Right now, the effects of your faithfulness are being felt throughout the world. God bless you. And may I say on behalf of Mary Beth Woods family, I was asked by her family to please relay to you just how much the family is thankful for everything the church did, the visits, the calls, the food. Carl said, please make sure that I let the whole church know. And so, uh, church, God bless you representing Jesus and His love. And so continue to pray for Miss Mary Beth and all the others who are hurt we need this morning. Well, don't forget, now tonight, our small groups, uh, choir practice at 5, and uh, take a shower. Is that what you said? Oh, no. <laughs> There will be a shower uh, from 3 to 4.30 uh, this afternoon. And so, uh, ladies, don't forget that. That's one thing, guys, you got my permission to miss. <laughs> so, but you do need to sign up for the nursery and all that stuff. All right, anything else before we dismiss? Thank you.